Welcome, Harvest Church family, and thank you for joining us this week for our sermon podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged with the message prepared. Right now, let's listen in to this week's message. Stand with me for just a moment this morning, just to change your position for just a moment. Today we're going to be talking about choosing life. And the word of the Lord today is choose life. Say it with me this morning, choose life. And I love a verse that I'm going to be opening up with this morning. It's found in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is part of the first five books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, called the Pentateuch, or the five books of Moses. But in Deuteronomy chapter 30, uh, there's a scripture, and you'll see it come up on the screen right in front of you. And if you can read it from where you're at, read it with me right now, if you would. Today, I've given you a choice between life and death, between blessings and cursings. Now I call heaven and earth to witness the choice that you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Say it with me this morning. I want to choose life. Amen. Lord, we love you so much, Lord. I thank you that you're the one that throughout all of our lives, Lord, you give us a choice as to what we'll do with our lives. And this morning, Lord God, I just pray that through your word today, through the word that's spoken today, Lord God, that you'll help us to choose life in a renewed way. We just pray it in the mighty name of Jesus. God, I just pray that you'll speak to our hearts and help us to become the people you've called us to be. We pray it in the mighty name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, amen. 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 Hold your Bibles high in the sky and say, this is my Bible, the living and powerful, proven word of God, a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path, God's holy word on which I stand And having done all, I'm going to stand on the Word of God. Whatever the Word of God says I am, whatever the Word of God says I have, whatever the Word of God says I can do, say with me, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Praise God. Today I want to talk about choosing life. And uh, as you walked in this morning, you'll have received a set of notes Uh, for the framework of the message today. Just in case we missed you, just uh, raise your hands long enough to receive a set of notes. For those of you that are online, you can also get your notes right online. You'll be prompted on the screen and and follow those prompts and you'll have a set of notes as well. Again, I want to just speak about choosing life because life is a choice. Say it with me this morning, life is a choice. And we're living in a world and we're living in a nation right now where life has been disregarded and devalued in so many ways and even cheapened. If you need proof, I want to just share with you four moral issues in our world today. And there's four, I mean, there's more than four, but I just picked out four for this morning. First of all, the Russian invasion in Ukraine. The Russian invasion in Ukraine. So the war between Russia and Ukraine resumed on February 24th, 2022, when Russia invaded Ukraine. Now remember back to February, that's when the war resumed. And I want to just make it clear here this morning, the war didn't start then, it resumed then. The war actually started between Ukraine and Russia back in February 10th, 2014. So it's already been going on for 10 years, but now it's just resumed, all right? So uh, estimates say that so far this year, up to 30,000 Russian troops have been killed or have died. 
up to 3,000 Ukrainian troops have died, all right? Have soldiers that have died. So 30,000 Russians, 3,000 Ukrainian troops have died. But really, no one knows the exact number. If you go on Google or wherever you go, you won't find the exact number because uh, it's hard to gather accurate information. But sadly, more than 8 million Ukrainians have been displaced. 8 million have been displaced. 2,500 civilians have died, and thousands of homes and buildings have been destroyed, as you've seen on the news night after night. Now, if history is an indicator, things are going to end badly for President Putin. And I'm sorry to say, well, I shouldn't say I'm sorry to say that, but that's history. If it's any indicator at all, things are going to end badly for him. So the question becomes this morning, what causes wars? And the Bible tells us what causes wars. It's the insatiable desire to have what you don't have. And, and here, it's the unquenchable desire uh, that the wicked president of Russia, uh, Putin, uh, Vladimir Putin, and by the way, he is a wicked man because wicked men, uh, moral men don't do what he's doing right now. So just know that he's a wicked man. There were lots of wicked kings in the Old Testament. There was just a handful of good kings, but there were a bunch of wicked kings. And the wicked kings took advantage of their people and destroyed their people. Vladimir Putin's acting like a wicked king right now. So he has an unquenchable desire to conquer Ukraine in order to restore Russia to its former glory. In other words, he wants the wealth of uh, Ukraine back. He wants that breadbasket back, and he, he wants to be restored, if you will, to, and I say that in quotation marks, to its former glory. Even extreme power, and he's an extremely powerful man, even extreme powerful power yachts, uh, billions of dollars in the bank, properties all over the world are not enough. He still has a desire to have more. When you have everything, and everything isn't enough, and then he'll go into killing innocent people and bombing and destroying cities just to get what he doesn't have. That's where wars come from. But let's look at what the Bible has to say. It says this, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war within your members? And then watch the next verse. It says this, you lust and do not have. Say it with me this morning. You lust and do not have. You murder and you covet, but you cannot obtain. I just want more. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. God is saying this, there's another way to advance in life, and it's God's way, but it's not the world's way. So one of the moral issues that we have is right now is the Russian invasion of Ukraine, and I pray that Ukraine will prevail. Secondly, we have the moral issues of mass shootings. Have you noticed that it's a terrible problem in the United States? And I mentioned this during prayer, but on May 14th, a mass, a mass shooting took place at a grocery store in Buffalo, New York, killing 10 people. It was racially motivated. It was a racially motivated mass killing, not arbitrary, but, spe uh, but specifically aimed at the black people in that part of the city, the eastern part of the city. Uh, it was racially motivated against black people by an 18-year-old white man, and we have classified this as a hate crime because it's, it qualifies in every way as a hate crime. There should be no room in America for racism. And for, for the only reason, uh, the only way that there can be no room in uh, America for racism is if there's no room in our lives for racism. 
because it starts right here in the church. It starts with us. Can I get a witness? So here are some of the pictures of the victims, and I'm sad to say that on, these, on, on all the victims, you'll notice it's 100% black because it was a racially motivated crime against black people. Terrible, terrible thing. That just happened uh, on May 14th. Then, only 10 days later, on May 24th, just this last week, a mass shooting took place in Uvalde, Texas, leaving 19 children dead plus two teachers. And the reason why this shook us to the core is because of the young, uh, how many young people were destroyed in this last mass, mass shooting. Uh, it always grips our hearts when we think of our own children being destroyed. Never had a chance to live life. Couldn't be at church this morning. And they're gone. 21 now gone this morning, all together with the two teachers. And so here are some of the pictures of the uh, young people that were uh, killed or massacred in that uh, last shooting. Last week, our country's flags were at half-staff all the way through Saturday, but we're still at half-staff this morning in our hearts. We're still needing healing because we're hurting on the inside in our hearts. Am I right? In other words, there's just a, a cloud. And here's how it works, everybody. I've been pastoring now for a good long while. But you come to church because you want to be uplifted. You want to praise God. And you want to just go, praise God, everything's okay. But I'm telling you, we're in a Sunday today where everything is not okay. And we need hope. And we need to be able to talk about these things. You can't just go through the motions and just say, well, everything's good. We're going to be having a parade later and blah, 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 whatever we're going to be doing. I'm glad that we've got a weekend together. But I'm telling you what, some of these needs have to be and must needs be addressed right here in the house of God. And so we're going to talk about them today, not to try to bring you down, but try to show you that there's also hope and that we are the ones that are going to be the agents of change in the name of Jesus. So last week, our country's flags were at half-staff, but we're still hurting today. Why? Because of the prevalence of the problem that we have going on today. There have been 20, pardon me, there have been 213 mass shootings in 2022 alone. Forget about last year, 213 already in 2022, and this is only the first five months of the year. And this is the 27th mass shooting in a school in 2022. Can you imagine? In the first five months of this year, this is 2022, there's already been 27 uh, mass shootings in a school. An upcoming uh, Time magazine cover is filled with the names of cities where shootings have taken place in this year alone. Just look at that cover, and you'll see this is the cities here where we've had mass shootings just in 2022 alone. And you'll also see on the left uh, center of, the, uh, of that Time Magazine cover, it says Sacramento, and you'll also see Buffalo, New York on the right-hand side, and then you'll see Yovaldi, Texas as well on the lower part. But this is all cities. It's filled up the whole cover where there's been a mass shooting. So mass shootings right now are a big moral issue in our country. The third moral issue is this this morning is suicide. In America, uh, someone dies of a suicide every 11 minutes, every 11 minutes. And suicide, concerningly enough, is a great uh, cause of death. It's the second leading cause of death for young people. For older people, it's the 10th leading cause of death. But for younger people, teenagers, college students, it's the second 
leading cause of death is caused by suicide. And I'll tell you this, the devil wants our children. I'm telling you, and he's out for our children, and we have to push back on the devil. In fact, the Bible says this, the thief does not come to steal and to kill and destroy. That's the thief's assignment. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly or life to the full. What I'm trying to say this morning is we're talking about choosing life. Jesus, or God chose life over us by sending Jesus' son to give his life for us, and we have to choose life at every turn. The devil comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, but Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full, so choose that life. All of God's people said amen. The fourth issue that I want to bring forward this morning is the issue of abortion. And right now, abortion is in the news and and will be in the news all the way through June when there's getting to be some decisions made on, on, on abortion, possibly overturning Roe v. Wade or at least weakening it. And so since Roe v. Wade back in 1973, and I was there, I was born in 1956. Uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so I am that old. Doesn't seem old though, you know? Because everyone, all of the baby boomers are so hip and up to date, they're just the coolest people in the world that they just never feel like they're getting old. That's the problem. We just feel like 65-year-old people in a 35-year-old body. And, uh, but anyway, but since Roe v. Wade, which we remember the turning point right there, really, hey, everyone, the turning point was when Madeline Murray O'Hare took prayer out of the schools. And that was done back in the 60s. And I'm telling you what, there's been a turn of the tide in our country morally ever since that took place. When you said, we don't want God in the equation, then you get what happens when God is out of the equation. So since Roe v. Wade has been overturned, or not overturned, but has come into law, which essentially Roe v. Wade says we don't want the government to be able to meddle in our lives as it pertains to reproductive rights, Nearly 64 million babies have been aborted in the United States since Roe v. Wade, 64 million. Can't hardly put your uh, mind around that. Approximately 625,000 abortions take place each year in the United States, or about 1,700 every day. Now, there's a big debate right now, pro-choice via or versus pro-life. So you've got the pro-life, pro-choice. I've always thought that, uh, by the way, this applies to men and women, but, but the woman has to take the brunt of it because she's the woman and she's the one giving birth to the child. But a man should have responsibility in the whole equation as well. Men should not be exempt from the whole process. It's, it's ironic to note that every single person who is pro-choice has already been born. Think about that. In other words, you, have, you get the right to make a, uh, the, you know, the, the choice for it, but you've already been born. So think about that. But it's encouraging to know that if Roe v. Wade is overturned or weakened right now, if uh, Roe v. Wade is overturned in the next several months, we'll find out. 26 of our 50 states right now are already uh, ready to put a ban on abortion. And I applaud those states for choosing life because it takes courage and it takes backbone to choose life. California is not one of those states. And so they'll call California a refuge state, but a refuge state for who? And what does that mean? But 26 of our 50 states right now are ready and prepared to ban abortion. And I applaud those states. I myself have gone to Washington, D.C. twice on a bus uh, to march over the years. 
in, uh, for the right to life and, and uh, with, with uh, hundreds of thousands of other people. And over the years, man, when you were in the middle of that years and years ago, you thought, man, we're just chipping away at such a, a huge piece of granite here that can't be broken. But I'm telling you what, in America, because people have spoke up and have protested peacefully and all of that, the tide is beginning to turn in, in this issue because we're all too smart. We realize how precious a little child is. And I want to just say this here this morning. Life is sacred from the womb to the tomb. Life is sacred from the womb to the tomb. In fact, in the last few weeks, everyone, I've just noticed on... Uh, social media on Facebook and so forth, so many pictures of little grandbabies and little babies being born. Here in our Harvest Church family especially, so many friends that we have that are having little babies, I call them little Gerbers, and then so many grandparents displaying the pictures of their little babies, and it's just so fun to see. In fact, I was just with my grandkids yesterday, and uh, Lauren and Lily, and then her cousins and everything, and we had dinner together yesterday down in Fresno, California. It was so much fun getting together for those little precious little ones and 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 to see a picture of newborn a newborn baby uh, you know we're always filled with joy aren't you aren't you just filled with joy when you see those new little babies amen why because children are a gift from god in fact the bible says this children are a gift or a heritage or an inheritance from the lord the bible says they are a reward for him from him so your children are reward from him. Remember that at three in the morning when you're changing the diaper. You are my little reward. And change the diaper and put him right back to bed. <laughs> There's a lot of years like that. We call them the wonder years because we wonder what in the world is going on. But they are a reward from the Lord. Say it with me right now. My children are a reward from the Lord. And, and, and for everyone that's gone, because no doubt here this morning I'm talking to those that have gone through the pain of an, an abortion and it's never, there's nothing in me to condemn you or anything like that. I'm just saying God has given us the right to choose whatever choices you've made in the past, you can choose a new choice going into the future. That's the hope that we have in Jesus because we've all done things that even, I've talked to so many moms that have said, man, if I had to do again, I wouldn't have done what I did, but man, going forward, praise, I'm gonna go a different direction and that's the hope we have in Jesus Christ. So don't be condemned, but say, God, I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna choose. You've given me the choice to make, now I'm going to choose life, hallelujah. So children are a gift from God. And now, I was thinking of this when I was just thinking about in the Bible, uh, uh, about children, even in the womb, because I was saying here that life is sacred from the womb to the tomb. So the psalmist said this, he said, for you formed me in my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. So God knitted you together in your mother's womb. And he says this, the psalmist says, I will praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. But we serve a God who not, didn't start with us after we were born. He started it with us right at conception when he was he was knitting us together in our mother's womb. He says, I've been fearfully and wonderfully made. My soul knows it full well. My wife, Barbara, is a knitter, all right? And she's just a pro-knitter. She just knits so many great things. I should have showed some pictures this morning, some things that you've knitted, but you've probably seen them maybe on Facebook. But she's a serious knitter. And I've watched her over the years as she begins her knitting projects, paying attention to every detail, 
eventually, in a few months or a few weeks, depending on the size of the project, uh, she's going to knit a beautiful sweater. She last year made sweaters for all of the grandchildren. They're so beautiful. But she starts out with one row or one line of knitting, but in that one line of knitting, she sees the completed sweater. And that's what keeps her going over the months. And let me just say this. In the one line of knitting you together, God saw you right on the first line in the first row of that knitting. He saw something that was going to be fearfully and wonderfully made, and he paid attention to every detail. So you said, well, that just looks like a string of thread at the beginning. No, that was more than a string of sweat. That that was a completed project. God says, it's a completed project right now. I just got to get it finished. Hearing what I'm saying. So God pays attention to the details, and you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Praise God. And so that was the psalmist. Now, here's what God said to Jeremiah the prophet. He said this. Remember Jeremiah the prophet? He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Watch that. Before you were born, I sanctified you or I set you apart. I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. And he said, this was happening before you were even born. So I formed you, uh, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before I formed you, I knew you. So it's even pre-being born in that womb. I knew you, and before you were born, I sanctified you, or I set you apart. I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations while you were still in your mother's womb. He said that to Jeremiah. Then you have John the Baptist. Remember John the Baptist? Say you remember. Remember John the Baptist? He baptized Jesus. You know, prepare ye the way of the Lord. In fact, among women, there's none greater than John the Baptist. Jesus said that among those born among women. John the Baptist is right at the top. So he was born to a lady named Elizabeth. And Elizabeth was the was the cousin of Mary. So when Mary finds out that she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit, all right, uh, of child by the Holy Spirit, she decides to take a move and, and spend some time with her cousin Elizabeth. So Mary right now is with child. She comes into uh, 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 um, uh, Elizabeth's house, and Elizabeth is also with child, and her child is John the Baptist, right? So she gets and she visits her, and the minute that she enters and greets her, John the Baptist leaps in her womb. He leapt in her womb, and then and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't tell me that there isn't a little baby talk going on here, right there. And that was while they were still in the room, in the womb. Watch what the Bible says in Luke 1:41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby, John the Baptist, leaped in her womb, or leapt in her womb. I will say leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, of course, came from Jesus, who's the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Baptized in the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice she exclaimed, Elizabeth now to Mary, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. Hallelujah. And as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Man, I'm telling you what, that's before either one of them were born. There was this interaction going on. John and Jesus communicating even through the womb. Can I get, how many of you know there's something there? It's going on. There's life. Then the Apostle Paul, remember the Apostle Paul? The Apostle Paul testified that he was set apart and called while he was still in his mother's womb. In fact, he said this, God separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace. God separated. And this is a man that first started out on the wrong track 
because he is persecuting Christians and even watching while they died. He watched while Stephen the martyr died and he was still, God still said, nope, I called you for something else. God separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace. Hallelujah. And I want to just stop here because I feel like the Holy Spirit just kind of, I want to say here, some of you in your own lives, you say, Pastor Perry, I'm in mistake mode right now. The life that I'm living right now is I'm in mistake mode. But let me tell you what, you might be in mistake mode, but God is in the deliverance mode, in the redemption mode. And he says, man, no, I had a different plan for you. I gave you your own will and your own volition. You can choose to do what you want to do, but if you'll give yourself to me, I'm going to put you on a brand new track, and it's going to be called grace mode. Because Paul said this, by God's grace, I am what I am. And I was what I was, but I'm not that person anymore. Now I am what I am by God's grace. So God separated me from his mother's womb and called me through his grace. He called me. I got away from that call, but God brought me back to it. What I'm saying is every single person in this place, whatever your story might be, God has a new story for you if you'll just get back to God. Hallelujah. So the bottom line, here's what I want to say this morning. An unborn child or an unborn baby is simply not a choice. It's a child, a person with all kinds of possibilities. And so the bottom line is this. In order for our culture, our society, or our nation to change, we must choose life. And we can start that right here, right today, right here in our church. Can I get a witness? We're going to be life choosers in the name of Jesus. So... What can I do? I'm glad you asked this morning. Let me tell you what you can do. Here's what you can do. Number one, uh, at the very top, be a life-giving person. Be a life-giving person. Say it with me this morning. I'm going to be a life-giving person. And let me tell you a few ways that you can be life-giving. Number one, you can be life-giving in your thoughts. In your thoughts. How do you know that with all of the bad that takes place in our country and in the world, all these bad things that took place in the last couple of weeks, it all began with somebody's thoughts. So it's really important to watch out the thoughts that you think and the, and the, because they lead to actions. And, 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 and if there's a bitter root that gets on, on the inside of you, that bitter root can grow up and many can be defiled. And that's what we've seen. For every one of these mass shooters, it all began with thoughts and it began with bitterness and hatred. And then they took root and many people were defiled. So it's really important that we harness our thoughts and trap our thoughts in other words control our thoughts and think good thoughts instead of bad thoughts hallelujah praise God and I'm thinking about every day that you live praise the Lord you know one thing when you get older I'm not old but I'm older now but I'm not old but I get that 20 more years and I'll tell you later about how that works (laughs) but you start getting more aches and your pains in your body. Sorry about that. I mean, I, I, <laughs> you get aches and pains. Like, what are they there for? I don't even know, but they're there. And then you bend over if you're able to do that. And then you stretch on the counter and you try to do this and everything. And uh, then you can't even remember what you're going to say the next thing. You're just kind of like... How does this even tie in with this message? That happens too. Oh, now I, now I got it back. See, that it just happens right there. 
So what I'm trying to do is you go, you go uh, am I right? Some of you, what I'm saying is like, okay, I had that thought, and then it kind of went away, and now I got it back. Here's the other one is you, you're standing and talking to somebody that's you've known them for 20 years, and you can't get their name in that moment. You're just going to like, oh, I know you. We're like best friends. What's your name? Brother. Yes, it's Brother. <laughs> But what I'm saying is, even on the days when you're feeling a little bit achy, achy, breaky heart, you know, whatever it might be, you get up and you're feeling a little bit blue, maybe, whatever it is, man, I still go out to walk and pray, and I thank you, Lord God. Thank you for this day that you've made. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you, Lord God. I might have problems, but I'm alive to solve them. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord God, that you're with me today. And if God before me, who can be against me? That kind of a thing. So in other words, stay on the right side of all of those pains and God will give you a gain in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. So what can you do? Be life-giving in your thoughts. The Bible says this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatsoever is true, uh, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if there's anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Hallelujah. So in other words, be life-giving in your thoughts. Secondly, this morning is this. Be life-giving in the words that you speak to yourself, in your words to yourself. You've heard me speak about this, but I've shared with, uh, this with so many people, and they go like, man, I didn't see that. Thank you for sharing that with me, but I've shared it with you before. The entire law is filled with this one command, fulfilled with this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Say it with me this morning, love your neighbor, but how? As yourself. Man, I want to just propose to you this morning that if you really loved your neighbor as yourself, there'd be a lot of hurt neighbors out there. Can I get a witness? Because you love your neighbor, but you don't think so much of yourself. You've got to twist that one around and flip that narrative around. Because Jesus said, I want you to love your neighbor as you love yourself, which implies that you need to love yourself. So I wrote this down. If you don't learn to love yourself, it'll be hard for you to love your neighbor. If you don't learn to value yourself, it'll be hard for you to value your neighbor. So instead of putting yourself down, lift yourself up by speaking words of affirmation over your life. Praise the Lord. Man, before I walked in here this morning, I was in the green room and I just looked in the mirror and I go like, well, you look kind of worn today, but I'll tell you what, you're the best you I got. Go out there, square your shoulders. We're going to smile. We're going to preach. We're going to lift up the Lord. Praise God. We're going to have a good day today. Hallelujah. You know, I have, I have days where I have bad hair days too. My wife told me yesterday, your hair is bad today. So anyway, I just had a bad... And I, <laughs> she didn't really say it that way. She said, you need a haircut. I go, I know. I said, if we got home from Fresno last night at 6 o'clock from visiting my daughter in Fresno, and then I said, I got to go get a haircut. And then I looked at everyone. You know, my, I go to the upper end places, Supercuts, and, uh, and, uh, and then that other sports uh, haircut place, whatever, the, the big chip dealers, you know. And they were all closed. So I go like, well, I'm just going to have to paste it down the best I can today and go preach and we'll get her taken care of next week and whatever I do. And, and, uh, and so um, now I can't think of what I was going to say. Anyway, you get the idea. Oh, no, I walked into the deal. And, and I walked up to the mirror and I go like, because uh, I do this when I'm at home even. I said, you know what, Perry? You're the best you I've got. 
And I'm not going to put you down. I'm not going to put, you know, a lot of times there's so much self-hate speak, like you're a loser, you're not enough, you can't do it. You're, so you're putting yourself down, and you don't do that to yourself. Start lifting yourself up. In other words, say, man, you're the best you have got. Praise God, you've been riding shotgun with me for 64, 66 years right now. I've been riding shotgun with me. You know what I'm saying? So I was going like, I'm, I'm the only one that is stuck with myself. Can I get a witness, amen? And I'm going like, hey, you're, you're doing good. Hearing what I'm saying? And so speak affirmations to yourself. And for instance, let me give you some affirmations. Like Paul said in Philippians, he says, I can do all things through Christ who what? Who strengthens me. And he says this, I've learned the secret of life to be content with whatever I have. And then he says, I can do. In other words, some days I might be living large. The other day I might be living in a, in a prison, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Say it with me this morning. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Amen? And then he says this, I am more than a conqueror through Christ who loves me. Say it with me this morning. I am more than a conqueror through Christ. And I'll tell you what, when the enemy starts coming in on you, starts pushing against you, you come out with a scripture and say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Hallelujah. And I'm more than a conqueror through Christ. And then when you're going through all kinds of stuff you can't even figure out, it says this, he said this, nothing that I'm going through can separate me from the love of Christ. What can separate me or who shall separate me from the love of Christ? And he names all these things. But say it with me this morning. Nothing that I'm going through can separate me from the love of Christ. Man, I'm telling you what, you speak affirmation to yourself. So be life-giving in the words that you speak to yourself. Did that help anyone here this morning? Man, just, just put away all that other garbage that's coming in. Sometimes it's coming right from you. Catch yourself in the middle of that stuff. When you, when you start putting yourself down, wait a second, hold it, there's another way to go here and start, you know, I'm talking about speaking ad, ad, words of affirmation to yourself. It'll start changing you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, third thing this morning, be life-giving in your love for others. So in other words, if you love yourself, you'll be able to love others even better. So watch your thoughts. Watch the words that you speak to yourself. Now we're ready to go out and love others. And the word of God says this, by this all will know that you are my disciples. What? If you have love for one another. What's the litmus test for disciples of Christ? Not our, just our doctrine or that we've got it right and here's the truth that I'm gonna share with you today. No, it's all gotta be speaking the truth in love. It all boils down to love. By this all will know that you're my disciples if you have what? Love one for another. Fourth thing this morning is be life-giving in your words to others. In your words to others. So many times, man, we're just doing the whole thing, you know. I mean, just a, I just kind of do that one. That kind of makes you feel good, you know, that kind of thing. Just trying to do the whole, the attitude thing. We're going to get them with our words. But Jesus said this, or, or Paul said this. He says, don't use fall or abusive language. Hello? Why don't I just stop right there and preach a message? Don't use foul or abusive language. Uh, when I was going to high school, darn was a bad word. And you never said gosh the way I was born. You know, if I said gosh, uh, <clears throat> that was grounds for soap in the mouth. Never said, you know, took Christ or any of those names in vain. But now, riding real high on the Richter scale is the, 
you know, all the F words that are coming out right now. Am I saying it right? I'm not going to say that, though, here, just so you know. But I'm just telling you what, foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be what? An encouragement to those who hear them. An encouragement. Hallelujah. An encouragement. I sent out my, ma- uh, my manuscript uh, last uh, Friday night. No, Thursday night. Thursday night at about 11 o'clock, I sent out my manuscript to, to uh, our media team and to our deaf ministry team. And then I got a bounce back on one of our team members, wrote back, said, Pastor Perry, this is really a good message. Because I was going like, man, I have so much heavy stuff to cover this morning. I don't even know if anyone's going to listen to me or want to hear what I've got to say, but I have to say it. I have to stand up here today and say, we have to just stop right now in the middle of our culture and do something about this and choose life. But they just said, this is just going to be a powerful message, and that just encouraged me. How many you know that the words that you speak can be encouraging to one another? Amen? That text that you send can be encouraging to a person. That note that you write can be encouraging. And everyone needs to be encouraging in some way. The kids need to hear, good job, kids. I'm proud of you, especially all of our graduates. Man, I'm so proud of you. And all the ones that are coming up from the 8th grade to the ninth grade, I'm so proud of you. Sarah, there, there you're, I'm so proud of you for getting through COVID and the sickness that you had. And you're going back to college. And you got one more year left to go. And, and, and I'm just really proud of you. You're going to go get them. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, instead of start encouraging one another daily. Hallelujah. Praise God. So encourage one another. And, and it says this, be an encouragement that those who hear your words, praise the Lord. And then pull back on the negativity. How many you know that it's easy to be negative, right? I mean, we're all good at that. But try to pull back on that and try whatever comes out of your mouth to be for mutual edification and encouragement. Praise the Lord. Now, so the word of the Lord today is choose life. Say it with me this morning. Choose life. Hallelujah. And the word says this, today I've set before you uh, life and death between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the what? The choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. There's a bounce blessing here. If you choose life, not only will you live, but your descendants will live as well. So choose life. And all of God's people receive the word of the Lord today. Give the Lord a great hand clap of praise. Would you do that? Amen. Now, I want to ask you to stand this morning because I need your help this morning. We're going to engage for a few minutes here this morning, just a few moments before we leave. We're going to engage. And our nation here this morning, our nation is unhealthy and in need of healing. How many of you agree? We are unhealthy and we're in need of healing. If you have 213 mass shootings in the first part of this year, and we already had so many already, around 600 or something, whatever we had in 2021, we are hurt and we're in need of healing. Something needs to change. So, but how does healing come? It starts right here in the house of God. Second Chronicles 7:14 says this, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, 
Then I will hear from heaven, and I'll forgive their sin, and I'll bring healing to their land. But it begins with, if my people. It didn't say, if the world will begin praying. It didn't say that. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. And, and, and I, I want to ask you here this morning, how many of you, you know without a doubt that you're one of God's people, amen, this morning? That, that you belong to Jesus. You're God's people. So it's instructing us. If my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face... Now, notice this. It doesn't say, if my pastor will pray, I'll heal the land. It says, no, if my people will pray, then I'll bring my... And and I I take myself out of the pastoral role, and I step in there right now and say, if my people, I'm I'm just one of you. I'm not any better than you. I'm a shepherd of a church. I'm a pastor of, 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 of such a wonderful church, but it's, I don't have any, you know, we're together, we're people, if it's the people of God. So it doesn't say if my pastor will pray, I'll heal the land. It says, no, if my people will pray. Thank you for joining us once again for this week's sermon podcast. We pray God's blessing on you as you face your day and week ahead. For more videos, messages, and other content, make sure you follow, like, and subscribe to all of our social media accounts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at GoHarvestEG. And be sure to check out our website at GoHarvest.org for the latest information on events and services. Until next time, stay encouraged and don't miss the opportunity to be a blessing to the world around you. God bless.